Welcome to the Jesus and Everybody podcast, the show where we talk to everybody about the intersection of Jesus and their life story. My name is Andrew Ironside, and thank you for joining us here on our very first episode. As my wife Stephanie and I were discussing potential guests, one of the first people that came to mind was our good friend, Vicki Kate. Vicki is an example to so many people in her leadership, her faith, her resiliency, kindness, also her freestyle rapping skills. She's also a gifted speaker, has played a significant role at Muskoka Woods Camp for years, and is respected by pretty much everyone that she knows. Her and her husband, Paul, live about an hour northeast of the city of Toronto, have three awesome kids, and most notably, finished fifth place twice in Survivor at Home, an obstacle that I know Vicky hopes to overcome sometime in the future. We're so excited to have Vicky here sharing with us as we kick things off on this podcast. And so without further ado, as part of the Jesus and Everybody podcast, here is Vicky Cade. Welcome, Vicky, to the Jesus and Everybody podcast. Thanks, Andrew. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having yes. me. Yes, we're very happy to have you on. And as I said in the introduction that I recorded before, Steph and I are big fans of yours and Paul. And we hmm. respect you guys so much in your faith journey and in your life. And are really excited to have you here today. And one of the things I did say, just to get it out of the way in the introduction, was your <laughs> love of Survivor. And yes, specifically our Survivor at Home game that we've played a few times. You finished yes. fifth place two times in oh, a row. Do you have any comments yes. on that before we move on? Oh, man. There's a part of me that feels like I should be proud of that. But truly... I'm just so sad we haven't won. So yeah, I am proud of myself for getting to fifth, but oh man, I can't wait for another another shot. And you've heard that they're opening the casting again for the real show? I did, I did. And I mean, if I wasn't terrified of mice and other animals, I probably would do it, um, like apply for it. But I look forward to watching it. I'm excited to, to watch it. That's why your version is so great, Andrew, because it's truly like the real thing. Um, but in a way where you don't have to go on to an island. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we could talk about that all day, but we will. Move I know. On. Let's just do another podcast. I know that later. that's true. The Survivor podcast. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, Vicki. It really is uh, awesome to have you here. And as you know, the, the premise of this show is to discuss the intersection of Jesus and our life story. So to give you a platform to share honestly just about your journey with faith and spirituality mm -hmm. and where Jesus connects, if at all, in that. And so we're just going to jump right in. I'm going to ask you to start by sharing in your upbringing and your life, where did your life cross paths with Jesus? Hmm. Okay. Um... Well, I would start with my family and my upbringing. So I grew up in a family with four siblings and um, my mom and my dad. And my mom always describes that as a kid, I would cartwheel down to breakfast in the morning. Like I was just a very happy, energetic, outgoing kid, which was great, but also meant that I could be a little bit annoying to my siblings at times. And so unfortunately, growing up, I didn't have the closest relationship with my siblings. And so because of that, um, I actually kind of became 
close, really close to my mom. And that sort of pinned me as the quote unquote favorite, even though that wasn't true, it kind of seemed that way to my siblings. And unfortunately that just continued to alienate me. So anyways, that's just an important part of the story, but growing up, I loved my family and I longed to just be with them all the time and feel a part of it, even though behind the scenes, I didn't have the best relationship with my siblings. I really desired that. And we grew up in a house where we knew about God. My parents would pray with us at night um, and my dad was Catholic. So we actually grew up going to a Hungarian Catholic church in Toronto and the service we would go on holidays and some Sundays uh, not consistently but the service was actually completely in Hungarian and I do not speak Hungarian (laughs) (laughs) so um, growing up my experience of church was I played with some toys and a book that my mom would pack for us and I would look at the cross that was hanging on the wall, but I didn't really understand what was happening during the church service. So my knowledge of God came from what my dad mainly taught me at home. And then through some classes we took at the church for first communion, but from a young age, I did really believe in God. I am so grateful to say that, that like there was just something in me that I just, yeah, I really had this faith and believed that he was real and that I could talk to him. But outside of that, I wouldn't say I had, you know, much else going on in my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I was 12, uh, my dad sat my family down and told us quite unexpectedly, none of us knew this was coming, that he was going to leave our family. And that changed our lives forever. I remember because I was so close to my mom and because I could see how much she was hurting, I became extremely angry at my dad. And I was also extremely protective over my younger sister and I could see how much she was hurting. And for other reasons too, I just felt so hurt and betrayed by my dad and angry. And so I remember crying out to God, I think that very night that it happened, saying, why would you let this happen? Why would you let this happen to my mom? Why would you let this happen to my sister, to my family, to me? And I decided in that moment, I'm done with you. I'm done with God. And so I shut him out of my life in any kind of form that I, you know, any relationship I had had with him, I just decided that's kind of it. We stopped going to the Hungarian church. Yeah, I just kind of went on with life and was making some poor decisions as I was becoming a teenager, I think, just because of everything that was going on in the background and in my family dynamics. And thankfully, um, a year or two later, I had a Christian friend who asked me to come to camp with her. And I asked, I remember asking her, is it a Christian camp? Like I was very like Mm -hmm. not wanting to go if it was a Christian camp. And she said, yes, it's a Christian camp, but it's going to be fun. And she was telling me about all the other things that were going on there. 
So I agreed to go. And when I went, they had a speaker that was there and the speaker would speak every morning and there'd be worship songs. And I remember my first time going in and hearing a worship song. I had never heard songs like that about God. And so I can still remember like some of the lyrics of the first worship song I ever heard. And immediately I just felt like I was connecting with what the words of these songs were saying, um, mainly just a lot of the songs that we sang, I remember from the beginning, we're just talking about like crying kind of out for God and saying, where does my help come from? Mm -hmm. And my help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. And I remember that just kind of hitting me, but I, I had this wall up and I was like, okay, I'm not, yes, this is kind of getting to me, but at the same time, like, I'm just so angry with God. So anyways, the speaker that week, actually shared the story of Joseph, which I had never heard before at that point. And immediately it caught my attention because he talked about how Joseph had a lot of siblings, had a lot of brothers and was the favorite. And so immediately just kind of, I felt like there was a connection in my story. And so I kind of listened in a little bit closer. And as I learned about Joseph's story, I heard about how all of these like awful things happened to Joseph but what the speaker really highlighted was that in scripture, as you hear about his story, it repeatedly reminds us that the Lord was with him. So when he was in prison, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And in that moment, it just clicked for me that God hadn't caused the pain and suffering I was experiencing in my life and in my family, but he was with me. And that brought me so, so much comfort and I had never really realized that he was with me and that he actually wanted to comfort me and help me. Mm. And so they gave an opportunity for anyone who wanted to have a relationship with Jesus to come forward and they would pray for us. And so I remember you know, my friend looked at me like, why are you getting up? And I was like <laughs> crying. And I just remember going forward and asking for prayer. And really that was like a life-changing moment for me where I decided, yeah, like I, I'm not so much angry anymore. Like I'm realizing that you're with me and that you love me and yeah, you're going to help me in and through this. So that was kind of like the first point of, you know, he intersected my life when I was young, but that was like a, a major point in my faith. Mm -hmm. And so what about after that? You still had all this pain and anger and hurt from the past. And yet you have this moment where you realize that God is with me and you go forward in the years yeah. that follow your time at camp. What, what about your relationship with Jesus then? So yeah, as I left camp, after that uh, kind of moment, it was a camp called Wesley Acres. I went home and didn't really know what to do next, to be honest. I um, kind of just went back to making like poor decisions, but then I would kind of just feel badly about it because now I wanted this relationship with God, but I didn't really have anyone in my life. Like no one in my family was following the Lord. Like 
I didn't have any Christian friends other than this one friend and she was on her own journey even. And so it's amazing because basically what happened next was God provided a Christian community for me through a camp called Muskoka Woods. So my sister, one of my sisters um, had the opportunity to go to Muskoka Woods on a school retreat during the year. And funny enough, my dad and mom had been arguing about it, whether she should go. And my mom was really pushing that she'd be able to go. And that truly changed the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so she went to Muskoka Woods and came back and decided I have to work there. Like this place is amazing. They're looking for people to work during the summer. Anyways, one of the staff members that she met when she was there told her about a church and the church was called Good Shepherd Community Church in Scarborough. And my mom was at a point where she was really hurting as well and was open to trying out a church. And so this staff member actually took us to the church as a family, like my mom and my two of my sisters and myself. And that church um, was used in my life in incredible ways to help me grow in my faith and learn how to have a relationship with God. And so I met Chris Tompkins there, who was the youth pastor at the time. And he immediately came over and introduced himself to, to me and my siblings. And I got involved in the youth group and we went weekly. And I just remember that my years at Good Shepherd as a teenager and being a part of the youth group and having Chris my youth pastor and mentor and care for myself and my siblings really transformed my faith and it gave me like my relationship with Jesus. Like that's where I really like learned and grew in my relationship with him. So that happened. And then also I got the opportunity to go to Muskoka Woods as a guest and then also as a staff member and my years there, I mean, I could chat all about that if you want, <laughs> um, but those years were used in amazing ways, again, to provide me with a Christian community, but also to just help me grow in my faith. Amazing. So you mentioned Muskoka Woods, that obviously has a significant part in your life early on and still to this day. Before talking more about it, why don't you just do a little plug now? What is Muskoka Woods and why should people go there? Oh, man. Well, um, Muskoka Woods is a Christian camp up on Lake Rosso. And it's for, it's a summer camp, but it's also used as a facility during the year for churches and school groups to come and do their retreats. During the summers, we provide camping experience for kids 7 to 17 years old. And also working there is life-changing it's like the best place you can work as a young person in my opinion mm -hmm. and yeah so that's what Muskoka Woods is and like you said you could talk about this for an hour is there a, <laughs> is there one or two memories from camp that really shaped you just into who you are um the kind of were there defining moments that stand out to you a hundred percent I am so fortunate that Truly, every summer I've spent there, I've experienced God in some way that has been transformative, if I'm honest. In the beginning, I would say 
it was when I was a guest, one of the things that was really inspiring to me was getting to know and see the staff members. Like I talked about, I didn't grow up going to a church where I would have seen young people who loved God and were sharing their faith with me. And so to see my counselor and meet these instructors and just young people who were cool and like I just wanted to spend time with, but then to also learn that they loved God and had a relationship with Jesus that was really inspiring. And I remember I liked going as a guest a lot, but my goal was to work there. Like I just couldn't wait to come on staff because I wanted to get to know the other staff members and I wanted the chance to grow in my faith and be a part of kind of that team. So that was something that really stood out for me. And then another thing I would say is that Muskoka Woods, the people at Muskoka Woods like gave me an opportunity for leadership at a really young age. Mm. And when I look back, I think, Oh my goodness, like how did they entrust me (laughs) with that much (laughs) responsibility at that age? But really it's, it's because they believed in me before I even saw my own strengths and gave me those opportunities. And that's something that I know even John body, the founder of Muskoka woods was really passionate about was listening to the young people that work there and giving young people the opportunity to be leaders. Mm. And, um, I remember when I did their leadership program, it was the first time that someone really took me aside and told me that they saw certain qualities in me and that they could see I had all this potential as a leader. And then when I was given the opportunity to lead a staff in a group of counselors and guests, it was really empowering, but it also, that summer I grew so much in my leadership, in my faith, emotionally, spiritually, like in my character, just giving the opportunity to, to lead at that age, like changed my life in a lot of ways. So yeah, those would be pretty transformative. And then also the relationships. Like I met my maid of honor at Muskoka Woods. I met my husband. I um, met I like mentors. like how she comes before your husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to lead with that, you know, but um you know, and I, I didn't have a lot of older people in my life in terms of, you know, like naturally in my family and friend group that I would have grown up with. So to have this community of older people and people my age who, again, loved God, but loved me and were willing to just share their life and do life with me every summer and throughout the year, that has changed and impacted me. Like I, I truly could list hundreds of names Mm -hmm. of people who have impacted me in Mm -hmm. some way, just by spending time with them at Muskoka Woods. They're like my family. It's a very special place for sure. You know, when we, Steph and I, as we look at you, the word leadership definitely comes to mind and strength and resiliency and the fact that so many people look up to you. This is one of those hard questions that people don't like to answer, but including that and others, what are some of the ways that you see God using you 
even today to make a difference in the lives of other people. Hmm. Well, thanks for saying those things. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I am so grateful because I have seen God use my life and my story to reveal himself to others. So even just going back quickly, if I can, Andrew, to my story, I didn't get to kind of finish off Joseph's story. And this is something that came years later, but I realized at the end of Joseph's story, I'm just flipping there in Exodus, uh, when Joseph is faced with his brothers and he chooses to forgive them, uh, he had in verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Mm. And later in life, I realized that that verse felt very true for my own life, that God used my childhood and my pain and suffering that I had to go through with my family and other things that happened to me in my life. He's used it all for good. And he's accomplishing Truly, I do believe the saving of lives. I've had the opportunity to share my story with hundreds of young people at Muskoka Woods and it's God's story, you know, and he has used it to encourage others and reveal himself to them. And I just feel so grateful that he has done that with my story. So do people tell you this? Like, are youth coming up to you and saying this changed my life? Well, I mean, I don't like saying it that way because like, it's not, this has changed my life. Like no, I know. Whatever. But... but definitely, like, I remember I was given an opportunity again at a young age at Muskoka Woods um, to share my story with um, some of the guests at a, an event called Impact. And it was my first time ever speaking in front of such a large group and um, sharing about my, my family and everything that happened. And I remember right after this girl coming up to me and she could see herself in my story in terms of she was going through a similar situation and it just gave her hope. And I, I journeyed with her for many years and I definitely would say like, I have heard that. And I, I'm so grateful because you don't always get to hear that. But like, mm -hmm. I have had many conversations with people after that, um, you know, in getting to share my story, it's encouraged them or inspired them. Like a big part of my story is also like learning to forgive my dad. And so I've even been able to share that. And that's helped inspire people to like, yeah, to pray and think about forgiveness and people they maybe need to offer it to in their life. So I think I'm veering off your question. A bit. No, you're answering yeah, it. Well, <laughs> these, these are really good answers, Vicki. I want to push you a bit more. What, even today, what would those closest to you say is true about the way that God has made you and used you to, to be a blessing to other people? I mean, another thing I would say is um, I believe that I have the gift of mercy which would mean that I can exhibit God's heart for people. And so I'm able to 
through the Holy Spirit and through God's strength and grace, like I, I feel for people, <laughs> meaning like um, when I'm sitting with someone and they're sharing with me something that they're heartbroken about or struggling with, I truly feel that heartbreak for them. And I'm able to like enter into that with them. And I, I have seen that God has used that to help those that I've been able to sit with and just been able to mourn with them and provide comfort by showing empathy in those moments, God's empathy and heart for them. Does, does your faith shape that in you? Because as you're talking certain stories of Jesus and his just sitting or being with people come to mind. Oh yes, of course. Like, again, what's so exciting about when your life, when you, when you first encounter God, you have like, it feels great and it's exciting. And I think back to that moment that happened for me, but there's so much more good ahead. (laughs) Like as you, like, I didn't even really know a lot about Jesus in that moment, right? When I first made that decision. And then in the years that came after, I got to read the Bible and learn about who Jesus was and is. And so definitely, as I learned about his life and his interactions with people, it inspired me. And truly, that is, I hope to live my life in a way where people see Jesus in me without me needing to use words. I really do hope that um, through my interactions and through how I choose to be as a person, whether it's, you know, you're with me for five minutes or you're with me, you know, for an hour conversation, like my prayer and hope is that they'll see Jesus in me. And I base that upon how he lived his life. Like I do try my best to model my life after how he spent time with people. Mm. For those who are listening who are not religious and they're thinking that's a really weird thing to say, uh, can you? Can I'm you exp- sorry. I, it makes sense to me and lots of people, but I'm also thinking for those who are yes, listening who, yes. who don't resonate with a Christian faith. What explain that a bit more? Um, so at Muskoka Woods, one of the lines that we have is we believe in being a living exhibition of life with God. We want people to come and have a little bit of a taste of what it might be like to be with him. And we're obviously not perfect people. (laughs) Um, So we don't always do a great job of that, but we really try our best to just give a glimpse of what it might look like to see someone who lives life with God. And I try to live that out in my life. So when people interact with me, I hope that, they'll see someone who is patient, who has self-control, who's loving, who's filled with joy, who's quick to forgive. Yeah. Who's empathetic, who, you know, these qualities that really come from Jesus, like within me, I hope they'll see those qualities within me. And then they'll wonder like, wait a minute, why is she like that? Or what makes her like that? And mm-hmm. my hope is that they'll learn it's Jesus. And truly that's how I've lived my life since I was a teenager. I remember that was my hope in high school, like in grade 11 and 12, when I was really involved in my youth group and was like learning more about how to inspire others in my faith. I remember just hoping that 
people would look back even 10 or 20 years, you know, when they think of Vicky and who I was, and they'll think like, why was she like that? And my hope was always that they would eventually learn and, and through God, like that they would eventually learn like, oh, it's because she loved God and God used her. And, you know, mm. I don't know if that helps explain it, but. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and you hear people's story that they'll, they'll say, I, I didn't believe, but over a long time watching certain people who do follow this Jesus, there's something like something really does resonate, like the peace and the joy and the love and the grace that they exude and the wrestling, you know, and the struggling. Yeah, yes. And in that, like there is something there. And many people's stories of coming to their own faith are in large part because of hearing other people's stories like that. And that's why it is so important to, uh, that's why I'm so excited even to have this podcast of people listening like, wow, that's mm-hmm. like another just quote unquote normal person like me who had this encounter and something was different. Yeah. Um, I, can I ask another hard question though? Is that allowed? Yeah. yeah? yeah so again, I'm thinking of a few people I worked with at the pub downtown for four years. And one of them would always say, you know, that's great. Like loving and forgiving and, being a good example for the youth why don't you just do all that like without jesus like why the religious baggage religion has done so much garbage and awful things in the world just like be you know what i mean it's like just be a good person so how, how would you respond to someone vicky who says to you you know can't you do that without god in your life so the first thing i would probably say is i personally couldn't the reason why i can be patient and kind and loving and put others first and forgive is because of Jesus in my life. And I know that might be hard to understand for people who haven't experienced that, but when you accept Jesus into your life, you also get his power. (laughs) And so part of, and he also transforms you to become more like him. And that happens over time. And I would say that I, yeah, I could try my best to be a good person, but I, I wouldn't, and I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying I would, I would not be a good person. Like I, I need his help. He's the one that actually helps me personally to do that. I know there's a lot of great people who are kind and loving who don't have Jesus, but for me personally, who I was before Jesus, I'm a different person. And that's because of him in my life and in giving me the strength and power and encouragement to do that. So that would be one thing I would Mm -hmm. say. And then also, yeah, so I believe you can be a kind, loving person and do a lot of good in the world, but that's not why I'm choosing to be a kind and loving person. Like I said before, my heart in choosing to live the way I do is in hopes that people will see Jesus in me because Jesus matters to me. Like he has changed my life and he is the one without him. Like I wouldn't have a connection to my heavenly father, right? I wouldn't have the relationship I have and I wouldn't have access to him for eternity. And so for me that I don't even, I don't know if that's making sense, Andrew, like it makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for me that that's important. And so that, and that's, and that's even why I am so passionate about others learning about who God is because 
he he saved me, but he's also like transformed my everyday life, right? He's given me peace and comfort and wisdom. He provides me with guidance and patience and all these things I've talked about. And so not only has he provided me with, you know, an eternity to look forward to, I really do feel like he provides me with a way to live life to its fullest every day, if that makes sense, like Mm -hmm. here now through who he is in my life. Have you read N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope? No, I haven't. I'm just reading it right now, and he talks so much about this, about the the Christian hope in Jesus in the life to come, and and then Jesus making all things new. But also, and really because of that, the life here now and how much this actually matters and how Christians who are truly transformed by Jesus ought to be people who are so full of love and of uh, beauty and of art and of justice of of caring for their neighbor hmm. and, and it starts now and it's and and everything mm-hmm. we do now continues into eternity he, that's how he talks about it not yeah. like yeah. you end here and it's all whatever you do doesn't really matter because you're going to heaven anyway he's like no this yeah. is you see jesus coming and talking about this kingdom of god and ushering in this new way of living where where things are turned on the head where those yeah. who are lowly will be lifted up and those who are proud and yeah. haughty will be will be brought low and, yeah. and he's not saying that's like just one day. He does it in his life, the way he talks yeah. to people, the, the people he sits with at the dinner table. I was just reading today where he says he sits down with a meal with a bunch of people who are called sinners, it says in the Bible. And the mm-hmm. religious people watching are like, why is he eating with those people? Like, that's not what Jesus should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he's ushering in and it's, it's coming and yet it's here now too. That this, well, this and also life. Jesus... Jesus wasn't, and again, I try to model my life after what I've learned about Jesus and Jesus didn't just provide physical needs for people, right? He didn't just meet their physical needs and have mercy and empathy on people. And just in that way, like he also saw that there was a spiritual need that Mm -hmm. they needed healing and they needed forgiveness and was able to give them that. And that's what I would say is like, I, again, I've been fortunate enough to see that happen. I've seen God bring hope to people and bring healing. And that, that doesn't just happen by being a good person, you know, mm-hmm. that happens through, through God using you. Right. So, and I, and I think that's truly what makes the difference in our life is like, we all have, we all have a need for God, whether we realize it or not. And yeah, he desires to make himself known and fulfill that need. Hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said, Vicki. Thank you. Uh, I want to jump back to Muskoka Woods. I don't know if you remember this, but this, the one summer that I worked there with Steph, my (laughs) wife, who spent a lot of years there as well, there was a, a lesson during the staff leadership week where you got up and shared about communion and communion Mm. in the Christian tradition is where we come and take the bread and the cup and celebrate Jesus's death. And you spoke about the dinner table and and how Jesus shared this with his friends, but then you contrasted this with so many other dinner tables that people have had. And that Mm. has stood out to me since you shared that, Mm. which was nine years ago, eight years ago. Oh my goodness. Do you, do you remember that? And if you do, can you explain that to those who are listening? 
Yes. So I wish I could remember the name um, of the gentleman I first saw do this experience because it wasn't creatively from me. You can just take um, credit. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> um, but basically the experience is, yeah, we set up a table and I remember just ahead of time, myself and the team just thinking through and praying, okay, like how do some of us come to the table? We don't come to God's table perfectly, right? We have things that we carry with us. And so, you know, for myself, even thinking of my own, I have so many different parts of my story, but just focusing even on my family piece, like it might be like, um, I am alone. I have no family or something like that, or I feel lonely or, you know, so we would write that label or I don't belong or something, or I'm not enough. I can give you a lot of different titles, but we all come to the table with, if we're honest, this brokenness with us that comes along, right? I'll never be good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not beautiful. No one's going to love me just giving you some examples. So basically we gave the opportunity for people to come to whatever table setting they felt like related to them. And the whole idea is like, come like Jesus wants you to come as you are. Like, don't be ashamed. Like if this is how you're feeling, like, please come, like you're welcome. Like he wants you to sit here and, and we want to sit together and be as a community with one another. And celebrate and remember what Jesus did for us. And then after we shared, or as we shared communion with one another, there was someone by each of the table settings. You flipped the table setting around and it actually had how God sees you or a promise that he has for you. And so as you received communion, the person who was giving communion actually got to speak that promise over you. So I remember going through the experience and it being extremely meaningful for me. And truly anytime I've been a part of it, I could sit at a different place at the table, if that makes sense. Like, you know, just different parts of my life, I'm wrestling with different things. And yeah, and then it's just an opportunity for you to be reminded of, though you come to the table that way, this is the promise God has for you and the hope he has for you. Yeah, and you can celebrate that and be thankful for that. But also you do that in community and you can look around and know you aren't alone, right? Mm. You have these other people beside you who yeah, are kind of in this with you. And so what would you say to those who are listening who might find themselves in one of those places, particularly younger people, although I guess any age, but thinking of the youth that you've worked with at camp and elsewhere, and, and that's the reality, these words of hopelessness or despair or, or, or being alone especially this year in COVID. I mean, we know the mental yes. health numbers are just through the roof. Yes. Uh, what, yeah. What would you say just expanding on that communion table story? Well, I would, I would say like, I would speak the promises of God, right? Like I would, I would speak truth and things that I've learned about what God says and who he says he is. So things like we aren't alone. God is with us and God loves us. And he has even, there's a verse I was actually, as I was preparing, I was reflecting on some of like the verses that have been helpful in my life. And there's a verse that even talks about like, 
he, even though our mother or father forsake us, like he will receive us. So even if you do come from like a broken family or you feel alone, like he will never leave you. He's always with you like that whole theme again. Mm-hmm. Jesus calls us a friend, right? Like we, we won't, you know, for people, I remember one of the table settings being about not feeling like you have friends, like feeling yeah. almost like a loner. And it was like this reminder that Jesus actually desires to call you a friend. There's a verse that talks about how the king is enthralled by your beauty, right? So even when you feel not enough or not beautiful enough, God is enthralled with who you are. And I've, I've learned that in my own life, just even how he views, you know, becoming a parent and you look at your child and you, you could just stare at them, right? You like Mm -hmm. love and adore them. And that's how God feels about us. We're his children and he, he just, we're his beloved. He just loves us. Right. Oh, that's very well said. And I, and I honestly do hope if there are those who are listening that this applies to that this would, they would even just pause this now and think about those things that you just said. Cause it was, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, shifting gears a little bit. Do you wrestle in your faith? Do you struggle? Do you doubt Jesus sometimes? You know what? I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, I don't wrestle with his existence. Like I mentioned, even from the time I was young, I've just believed that there's a God and really have faith that he exists. But I definitely go through seasons where I'm just confused about (laughs) what God is up to. Can you give an example? Like more specifically? Yeah, definitely. Like, again, similar to my story, like in times where I see people experiencing pain and suffering, you know, I just, I'm, I kind of cry out to God and I'm like, okay, just, I know you (laughs) are in control and I know you will use all things for your good and your glory, but I definitely wrestle (laughs) and with him and, you know, my heart, breaks for certain situations and so in those times I sometimes struggle right to I just have to kind of remind myself about who God is and remind myself of yeah of the truth and the promises that he has but those would be times that I definitely wrestle and just have questions right like I I'm like okay Lord I'm so fascinated to know what you were up to here yeah and just kind of have those conversations and there's a lot of things I don't know and don't have the answers to. And, but at the end of the day, the things I do know and the things I have experienced, like my personal relationship with him, thankfully they kind of win out. They outweigh the mm. things I don't know or can't understand. That makes me think of when Jesus is talking to some of his disciples about some pretty challenging topics and a bunch of people walk away and they're like, uh, we just can't believe this. Then he yeah. turns to, remember, he turns to his closest friends and disciples and he goes, are you, mm-hmm. like, are you guys going to leave as well? And Peter says, I think it's Peter says, you know, yeah. Lord, where would like, I go? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where would I go? Yeah. yeah, So truly. That makes sense for sure. But what I was going to say too is like, that's why like having 
a personal experience and relationship with him is so important because you can't deny like when you have a relationship with someone what you mm-hmm. felt and experienced so like I'm talking about it in terms of with Jesus but it's like you know if you think about it with a friend like even you can't deny that you had those experiences and time together even if you grow apart or, you know, those things happened. And that's how I feel like I have seen God answer prayer. I have experienced him in my life. I have experienced healing, forgiveness, all this stuff. And so in those times where I'm wrestling, I, I, I feel like I try to remember even and call upon the fact that Vicky, like you, you know him, (laughs) like, you know, you, you have experienced him in a way that has transformed you. And so almost to just kind of like recall those experiences in that relationship, I feel like helps me in those times. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Who are three people, Vicki, who have helped shape your faith journey? Oh my goodness. Andrew. Three. Three. You know what? It's, it's so hard for me to pick three because truly I do feel like God has put so many different people in my life and they've taught me so many different things and helped me in so many different ways. One would definitely be my youth pastor, Chris Tompkins, who I mentioned. He invested in me and in my life as a teenager. And that really had a life-changing impact on me. He also spent time teaching me a lot about who God was. I didn't, I didn't know much at that point. And so he was willing to listen to all my questions. And I, I just remember having so many questions and he was, yeah, just so gracious and listening, but yeah. And also called out strengths in me. I, I hadn't seen and also opened up opportunities for me. You know, he would give me opportunities to lead at youth group or day camp or, you know, encourage me to apply for certain opportunities like mission trips or programs at Muskoka Woods. And anyways, he just was a really encouraging person to me in my life, especially because I was lacking role models at that time. And then I would say my husband, Paul, I am so grateful because I feel like I have seen Jesus in Paul. I have seen qualities of God in Paul. And what's amazing about that is like, I know that's Paul, but I know that's God in Paul because, you know, and Paul is okay with me saying this, but Paul Cade wasn't Paul Cade. He's not, he's a different Paul Gay than he was before he met God and his life transformed after he met God in a positive way. And just in my years of relationship with him, I, I've just experienced God in the way that he has loved me, whether that's been like, I've been shown grace time after time in, in seasons where. I needed it extended to me. And then that gave me a picture of Jesus' grace. Or when I watch Paul 
care for our kids and sit beside my daughter, Emma, and just, I can tell he's just enjoying being next to her and just loves even looking at her. I see that as an image of how God looks at me as, you know, a father would look at his daughter. And so I really have experienced God in and through Paul's life, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you want a third person? Yeah. I've gone yeah. on already? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I would say third, just my group of Christian girlfriends. It's really hard to just choose one, but truly there's a tight group of us and they are used daily in my life to encourage me in my faith. They pray for me. They're there to listen when I need advice or wisdom or counsel or just need someone to vent to. Um, and ultimately they love God and they love me. And that has helped shape my faith, (laughs) like my relationship and friendship with them. Awesome. I do have one more question before we finish. We see in you someone who is a leader, not just in your actions, as you alluded to, but in your words. And I think within the church and even in society, the voice of women is being given more opportunities, more of a platform to be heard as it should be. And yet there's still work to be done. And Hmm. I just want to say thank you for, for your voice and speaking today and teaching me and teaching us. And I would ask you for those who are listening, maybe particularly a young woman who was a young Vicky Cade coming up in their Mm -hmm. high school years now, what would you say to them as they are embarking on this journey of being a young woman in today's world and maybe especially in the church? Thanks, Andrew, for even asking that question. That's great. Um, I mean, I'm so grateful because I feel like if I was speaking to a young Vicki Cade, thankfully I was surrounded by men and women who were Christians who told me, like, I didn't know I couldn't have a voice, if that makes sense. Like, I'm very grateful that there were a lot of people who just saw that I had a gift in communication. And so that could be used in sharing my faith and what I was learning about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. But what I would say to people who especially young girls who feel like they're or have been told that they're not to speak up or teach or share what they're learning. I would remind them that Jesus made it very clear in the way that he lived his life, that women were important (laughs) and that he valued both men and women, but he was very clear in, in even what they, that God chose to include in the new Testament in the story of Jesus, all these different interactions that showed Jesus cared for women and desired for their stories to be heard Mm. and for them to be retold. And so I would just encourage them to know that you have a story and it's a story that shows part of who God is, right? Like we display God's image as well. And so when we get to speak or have the opportunity to teach, we get to show others a part of God's image and who we are as women. And, 
I'll never forget that. I remember Andrew, the, one of the first times I really saw it to be true. There was, um, a woman who was speaking at our church. She was, she was literally just reading verses of the Bible. And then she said a few words afterwards, but the way she communicated, um, she was a very empathetic, warm woman. And I felt like I was seeing a part of God I hadn't seen before. And it was just this beautiful image of like, oh yeah, this is also who God is, right? Like it's not just in this cookie cutter way that you think it needs to be. Like God has something to display through his people and we're a diverse group of people, you know, who follow him. And so man or woman, he displays himself in and through us. So anyways, it was just, I remember just being moved by that and thinking like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this side of God before as she was sharing, like she was just displaying a part of him I hadn't seen before. So I would just encourage them that, yeah, you, you display him in who you are and, and others will benefit from hearing about him through you. So have confidence in that. Well, that's beautifully said, Vicki, and amen to that. Uh, before we finish, is there anything else that was on your heart that you wanted to share today? Um, you know, I talked about my Muskoka Woods family and the way that God provides us with an additional group of people who, you know, will love and journey with us. But I do just want to make sure I acknowledge my immediate family and the relationships God has restored and blessed me with in them. And yeah, I hope that as I do that, it's going to encourage people who might have relationships in their life that they long to be restored or repaired because yeah, like, you know, when I first began sharing my story with you, Andrew, I mentioned how the relationship with my siblings was fractured when I was younger, Mm -hmm. but uh, one of the best things that God did in my life was my siblings became my best friends. And I truly cherish the special relationship we share and count it a blessing that we have such a deep friendship with each other. Um, And also my mom was and is a huge support to me in my faith journey. She's always been the biggest cheerleader, like in all aspects of my life, but that includes my faith. You know, when I was a teenager and I talked about Good Shepherd and Chris Tompkins, she would drive me multiple times a week to that church, which was 30 minutes away from our home for youth group. You know, she ensured I could work at Muskoka Woods every summer. And she's always been a support in me speaking or sharing my faith and even supports Paul and I and, you know, our choice to work in ministry. And I'm so thankful for, yeah, just how my mom enabled me to truly be the woman I've become today. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so when I reflect, I guess, on those relationships, I'm just so thankful that God not only revealed himself as my heavenly father and healed the pain that was in my heart for my dad leaving, but also helped my relationship with my siblings and mom to strengthen. And, you know, like that's, that's what God does. He does immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And I'm just really thankful for that. That's awesome. 
Well, thanks so much, Vicky, for sharing what's been on your heart today, uh, what God has done in your life. And I, and I believe this will be really uh, an inspiration to so many people who will listen. So thanks for taking mm-hmm. the time. And yeah, appreciate thank you. It. Thank you so much, Andrew. I just, yeah, feel so grateful. And thanks to everyone for listening. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Andrew. Bye.